Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change on the Run podcast, where we discuss common change challenges and ways to address them when you're short of time. And I'm your host, Phil Buckley. Today's topic is building team confidence. Large change projects require people to work through uncertainty and their ability to make progress with insufficient information or experience is a must. Moving forward under these conditions requires confidence that the team is skilled and efficient at removing barriers to success. It improves focus and galvanizes their resolve to make good decisions around the questions that are critical to a change project's success. So how do you build a team's confidence so members are at their best when pushing through challenges to achieve its commitments and mandate. My guest today is Scott Waldron. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, Phil. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on. Thanks for being here. Scott is an internal communication strategist who helps build loyalty among individuals, teams, and organizations. Scott coaches leaders and employees to become liberators using programs that are simple, scalable, and sustainable for the long term. He has over 20 years of branding, design, and communications experience and Scott is a graduate of the Miami Ad School, Atlanta. So Scott, what's been your experience with building team confidence? Oh, Phil, I'm going to throw this for a loop. You ready? Ready. I'm going to tell you about my experience in kind of hurting team confidence. Could I do that? Please do. Can I just spin it? <laughs> Go okay. for it. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. So you mentioned Miami Ad School, right? So I graduated graphic design, went to Chicago, lived there for seven years, worked for a design firm there, did work for clients like Sesame Workshop, Chase Bank, Motorola, Swiss Army through my career. And then I came back to Atlanta, formed our Atlanta office and became the managing partner here in Atlanta. So I'm the managing partner of this design firm. I have never led a team. I have never built a company. I've never done any of this stuff, right? And I'm going, okay, my family's a full of entrepreneurs and they're killing it. I can do this. It's in my blood. So I go ahead and I launch my company. I built it up to about $600,000 in three years, right? I did pretty well. And I'm building my team. Now, what happens? So me as a leader, as a young entrepreneur, I start just doing my thing. But without the understanding fully of who I was, I didn't have a lot of self-awareness. I didn't have a lot of that emotional intelligence component that we're talking about right now. I didn't have a lot of the understanding of other people's personality styles and what culture really meant inside of an office. And so what really happened was over the years, because of my non-understanding of who I was and my other people, my people loved me. I, I feel like I was a great boss. I feel like I had you know a lot of loyalty there, but as building a company, not my thing, right? I wasn't great at it. I, was, I just didn't do it well. And I was changing ideas and everything under the sun. And hey, oh, look, shiny object syndrome. Like I, that was me. I think because of that, and my inability to communicate effectively with my team, it eroded that confidence. My team was like, we love Scott. He's a great guy, but we have no idea where this company is going. Like, we don't know what we're doing. 
we don't know who, what Scott's focus is right now. Cause I see him kind of doing this, but he's doing this. And I, he told me we were doing this and like, what's going on. I guess I'm just going to hunker down and do my thing. So there was a feeling of fear of the unknown. Nobody knew what was going on because they felt abdicated by me. And then I was like, oh, you mean you want to know what's in my brain? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, hello. You know, so my experience has led me from leading a national design firm here in Atlanta to now understanding the problems with working with my clients and working at my own agency of how internal teams, internal leaders and that misalignment, that mistrust, that lack of confidence can erode external communication with your clients and customers. So now that's where I am. I'm focused as opposed to doing external communication work. I'm now doing more internal communication work with leaders and teams and really helping with that cohesiveness and building confidence and influence inside it's interesting that you mentioned that with the lack of confidence internally, it actually translates into affecting your client experiences or, or the, the external reflection of your firm and the people in it. Could you give me an example of that? How did you realize that, hey, my team doesn't seem to be confident and it's affecting how they're communicating with my clients? I think that it came more with the internal cohesiveness and the ability for us to be as high performing as we needed to be. When there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of effectively building relationships. We mm. had some pretty healthy relationships around the office. I didn't have to fire, quote unquote, fire anybody ever. And the people that quit or wanted to transition came into my office crying because they didn't want to leave, but they felt like it was the next part of their journey. Like there was this awesome bond. As I started to really think and ponder my internal brain, right? I'm an introvert, really focuses in, like I'm secluded. I want to process a lot of information and nobody else knows what's going on. That lack of confidence in what was happening led to a lack of clarity when they were speaking to clients, led to a lack of, well, I think we're going to do this. And then I'd come in and say, wait, what'd you say? And they're like, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, we'll fix it somehow, right? It would just, it seemed very scattered and it seemed disconnected. And I think that that lack of confidence leads to that type of interaction that your customers and clients will end up feeling. They'll go, uh, but the employee just told me this, but now Scott's telling me this and where's Scott been and what's going on here. And, you know, now they have a new person and doing this, but that doesn't make sense. And so no client wants to feel that way. No client wants to be like the person handling all my brand strategy work is completely disorganized when it comes to their own brand. And that in internal lack of confidence bleeds into a lack of confidence from your customers and clients. What a great example. And there's so many different definitions of confidence. Some could be more ego-driven or charismatic. How do you define confidence in relation to your past experience, but also with the clients that you coach and consult now? What is confidence? I think confidence is that feeling of reliability in somebody, that feeling of, hey, I can depend on you. You're predictable. Predictability is huge. I was just talking to somebody this morning. I was doing an interview for my show and she was talking about this principle of trust and predictability and how when we are more predictable in our interactions with other people, 
that leads to more trust. Less predictability means what's happening? What's, what are you going to do next time? How are you going to interact with me? How are you going to, what are you going to say? Like, I never know. It causes us to either walk on eggshells or to just not care. So I think that those types of things can be scary. So that confidence word is so important. And that's what leads to my big thing I talk about now is influence. That confidence in you is going to help you build more influence with me. The more I have confidence in you and your abilities to get the job done and that you're good at your job, the more I feel on board, the more I feel like I want to hitch my wagon to yours because you're going to get some stuff done. And I believe in that. I have confidence in you. I'm with you. I'm all the way. Right. And so that's that idea of loyalty and influence is, is going to be, be huge. That's a great insight. A, a few years ago, a, a fellow consultant had said that if the client had confidence in your abilities or trust, which I think is a great connection, that it was moving more from in the past, which was, well, tell me all my options and we'll discuss them and we'll do the pros and cons and then I'll decide. To once you had had confidence in the consultant, it tended to go directly of, if you think this is best, I'll do it. And because I think what's happening based on your conversation is that the, should I second guess this person or not, because I'm not quite trusting of whether they're going to be good, completely goes out the window. You have trust. So it says, hey, go and do it. Or what do you think? And then I'll go and execute. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think that my inability to communicate effectively, not only erodes the trust in others that want to trust me. Remember, I've got the chemistry with my team. Right. My, my team believes in my character. So those are the first two C's. I'll, I'll just throw into four C's right now. So character chemistry, I had that. I had that. And that was, that was great. They knew I was a good person. They knew I had integrity and we gelled. We loved each other. But then we get to the other two C's of credibility and competency. So competency, they knew I was good at my job. They knew I could get things done. They had confidence of my ability. But then the credibility piece kind of wavered because I wasn't communicating effectively the vision or where we were doing or what we were, where we were going. And that is what erodes the trust. That is what, so you have to have all four of those C's to really, truly establish that trust, which in turn builds the confidence, right? And while my people wanted to believe me, they wanted to trust me. They wanted to follow me. Because they were, you know, feelers too. They liked the character and the chemistry side. And they kept giving me a pass, I think, on some of the competency or the credibility <laughs> stuff. They're like, well, Scott means well. Scott, like, he's, he wants this, right? He, he wants it, right? And then, okay, we'll just, we'll go, we'll go. And we'll trust him because it's been good for, for so long. But at some point, you can only go on that for so long. Then it wanes. So I think that that's really important. So it must be fascinating with that experience that you've had personally with your team. And now you're working with leaders and their teams. And almost every organization now is going through some form of transformation or hyper change. 
When you're brought in and you're observing the teams, what are the confidence destroyers of the team? And I think you've, you've already mentioned some of them, but now you're looking at a team and what are those root causes of almost like the kryptonite of taking away a team's confidence? I would say first and foremost, I think everybody in this space would say this as well. So, you know, this isn't going to be mind blowing, Phil. <laughs> I wish it was, but self-awareness, the complete lack of self-awareness that individuals have, which was my problem. I was, I was unaware. It didn't mean I was a bad person. It just meant I was clueless about my interactions. And, oh, oh, other people don't think like me? Like, are you serious? Why doesn't everybody think like me? Hello. And so on my side, I think it's a little harder to see the harm and my lack of self-awareness because I think my personality makeup and how I am with my difficulties either are a little less harmful than some other people's lack of self-awareness, which means some of those other dominating type personalities that lack that self-awareness are going to come in and immediately clash. They're going to immediately uh, ruffle feathers. They're going to immediately be harsh in the way that they lead and dictate and dominate a culture. And that is what's going to be more noticeable. So maybe I got a little bit of a pass because of my personality makeup, but some of those other personality makeups, and those are the ones that lead a lot of companies are going to be noticed. Therefore, it's going to deteriorate that culture and that brand and that employee engagement and the performance of that team, the profitability at the end of the day of that team will go down. Lack of work, lack of capacity, lack of desire, lack of loyalty, revolving door policy, all that. It's going to happen. Are there any differences? You had mentioned that you were coaching one individual, and I know you work with a lot of teams as well. Are there differences in individual confidence and team confident dynamics, or is it exactly the same thing, but you're just multiplying it by the amount of individuals in that group? Hmm, that's a good question. I think that as we build more self-awareness in, in individuals, as they become more empowered with what they're champions of and where they have opportunities, I don't call them weaknesses. I call them opportunities, Great. where they have opportunities to grow and make some effort in areas where they need to practice that growth opportunity. Now, as other people, so they'll gain a little bit more confidence along the way, right? They're learning to ride this bike. And they're getting on the bike and they're learning how to pedal. They're learning how to like do different things. And they go out and do this. Other people around the office are going to go, hmm, I see Scott's trying to make some efforts. I don't know if I totally believe it all. Like, I feel like it's probably just going to come back in a month. Maybe he's just going through some little exercise right now. And then he's just going to come right back to the way he was. But I see that he's making an effort. That's the start. And I may even be surprised. I may even go, what? Like you cared about my weekend since when have you cared about my weekend? And maybe it was kind of seen as authentic, maybe not, but the fact that it happened still raises my alert. And I start now confirmation bias can start setting in instead of the confirmation bias going, Oh, there's Scott coming down on me again. Or, Hey, there's not that I came down on people cause I'm too nice, but, <laughs> but people are like, Oh, there's that thing happening again. There it is again. There it is again. Now they're going, huh? Did y'all notice that? Scott was asking about my week. Did he ask you about your weekend? Like, and then they start noticing these patterns and they start to build the confidence as a result of that. So I think as you build it in the individual, it can multiply itself to those other team members, which in turn 
is going to create that more cohesiveness inside the organization. So I don't know. I'm interested in what you think about that. In that dynamic, it's harder to get on the path of building confidence with a team because you're trying to influence multiple people in multiple scenarios with multiple backgrounds. Whereas if you have one individual, that's the person that you're trying to support and influence. So to give you an example with the person talking about how's the weekend, and then what you could do as a coach is you could say, well, how did it go when you asked people about the weekend? And how can you continue making that as as your new behavior versus the old behavior of just it's all about performance? But if you're working with a team, you can't connect in with each person about what they did to try and change their full behaviors as effectively. So it might take a little bit longer. Then there's more group discussion about how's it going versus you just working one-on-one. What do you think about that? I 100% agree. It's not one size fits all. And I think that there's a lot of dynamics within the team that have to be played out. And I tell people all the time, it kind of sucks because now I have to put in more effort. And I have to be more intentional about thinking about each individual as opposed to just saying one big blasted message to the whole thing. Now, we talked about this when I did marketing and design work. We would say, you know, you develop target personas for your audience and you develop a few personas for this. And the client always comes to you and says, but I don't want to leave anybody out. I just want to say the same thing to everybody. And you're like, Really? Do you, so you think an 18 year old that grew up in the sticks is going to have the same mentality as a 60 year old that has a retirement condo in San Francisco? That's not really going to work. And so as we, as leaders, are we being intentional and mindful about the different people in our group? So like you said, yeah, it is going to be a little bit different as opposed to just working on one individual. And it's going to take time. It's going to take effort and it's going to take intentionality. That links to the culture work that we do. Changing culture takes a long time, but there tends to be the requirement of doing it immediately. Okay, in the next week, and you actually change our level of confidence and, and adjust our culture. In the different clients that you have, how does culture play a role in the level of confidence that people share in teams or does it? I will take that back to the alignment, right? Like when I talked with building company brands, as far as who we wanted to be to our external marketplace, I always started with your vision, mission, values, and your purpose and what that was. Now that's a very internal thing, but I always use it as an external reflection. Are we externally being authentic about who we are and who we say we are internally? Now, the course of the last year has shown us that that's really important. A lot of people before COVID were saying, oh, we've got mission, vision, values, but that's all kind of fluffy stuff. We have it on a break room, our poster in our break room. Everybody can see it. But if you go into an organization, you say, hey, what's the vision of the company? Or what's the values? They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't really care. I just, you know, I'm just doing my job. But when we talk about culture, when I talk about culture, It ties into the idea of what brand is and what the components of brand are. So brand is simply what people say about you when you're not around. That's your brand. That's your personal brand, Phil. When we get off this call, how am I going to feel about Phil? When I, you know, am I going to go talk to my wife and say, hey, Phil's this awesome, bubbly guy. I love interviewing Phil. He's so fun. Like that's your brand. Okay. 
My company has a brand. When people interact with my company, my team has a brand. We all have brands. It's the perception. It's that reputation. When we have control over that, the components of that are alignment. Are we aligned? That helps us build a strong brand. Are we consistent? That helps us build a strong brand. And those components make up our culture outside and inside. So our inside culture, alignment, consistency goes all back to mission, vision, values. So I'm coming big full circle. We start vision, mission, values. And if I'm aligned to that and I know where we're going and what we're doing and every day, what our purpose is, then I'm going to hire the right people. I'm going to work with the right people. I'm going to make the right decisions. And that cohesiveness and that alignment inside is going to create a movement. And that is what moves companies forward because that's what keeps me invested. That's what keeps me wanting to be a part of this. And then that in turn is going to start being executed ex- you know, to, to our customers and clients as well. And as you say, over the last 15 months, there's so many reports that are coming out now to try and decipher what did companies do well or, or government agencies or not-for-profits and, and where did some miss and the connection between personal values and company values and, and the companies that use their values as a shield or as North Star to guide them tended to be the ones that had greater engagement and made the best decisions. So I think it really does support your view of the alignment of values. And I'd imagine the misalignment can lead to equally disadvantaged outcomes. Yeah. I mean, think about, and and we heard story after story last year about companies being called out all of a sudden, right? When before it was kind of like, we'll give them a pass or, oh, I like my job or whatever. But when, when it really came down to our moral compass, we started to go, no, that's not right. This company that I've worked for says this, 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 and this, but that's not what they do because listen to this, 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 and this, it totally contradicts what they say their mission, mission values are. So then they started to be called out on those, those issues. Hey, they say they treat their employees well, but as soon as COVID came around before we even really knew much, one third of us are gone without any severance. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right? So they're, they're being called out. And then all of a sudden they're backpedaling and being reactive as opposed to proactive. And that's not where we want to be because then we're just being defensive with everything we're doing. And that is, uh, that's not a good place. Let's say you come into a, an organization and the confidence isn't really there. And, and you talked about changing the leader's behavior, about checking in with people personally. Are there any other tactics that you'd recommend on how do you build a team's confidence if they're not very confident, they're just not feeling good about their abilities or the tools that they have or whatever it is, how would you approach that to try and start building up their level of confidence as a group? I think it's going to start with leadership, being intentional about multiplying what they learn to the other, their direct reports is really important. Leaders define culture, sub-leaders define subculture. If it's just the one person at the top doing their leadership coaching, great, fine for that one person. But unless you're multiplying that or being intentional about how do you scale that to the rest of the organization, it's not going to do much good. So you can start with that leader, but make sure there's a plan in place to create something that is scalable, sustainable. Cause I see a lot of people start something and then not finish it 
or their intentions are good at the beginning, or maybe they start like a, maybe they do a two day retreat every year to learn about some It's like, really, did you get really great at soccer from going to that one week soccer camp? Did that just make you all of a sudden going to play for premier league because you, you did great at that soccer camp? No, it's something that has to be practiced. So simple, scalable, sustainable leadership and team communication programs that are going to be instilled in the culture of the organization. And not everybody's going to be bought in. There'll be some people that are gung-ho and some people that are just like, again, like we got to do this again. We've already done 15 personality assessments and now you want to do another one. I think that that goes into line with the vision and the mission and what we're trying to accomplish. So I think it all ties together, but I really want to make sure that you're intentional with uh, keep creating something that's simple, scalable, and sustainable. How do you make something sustainable? And, and it's such a such a brilliant point for me because again, it's easy to bring someone in or do something with full intentions of of keeping that going and embedding it into the culture and, and reality gets in the way and there's other things that are happening and it's not. And, and, and that can be cultural as well. Like the flavor of the month, I give it three weeks and then we'll be onto something else. How do you break that cycle of intention and initial execution to it becoming part of our fabric and how we do things with our culture and our values and our beliefs? Make time. You have to make time. Everybody's going to say, oh, we don't have time for that because we have this fire we're putting out right now. We're so busy putting out the day-to-day fires that we don't invest in the long-term goal. Have you ever met a single leader of a company that did not focus on the future? They were only focused on the fire right now. And if you do know somebody like that, the company probably wasn't super successful and they probably didn't last very long. They were focused on how are we going to invest in the future, but how are we going to use our resources now to make sure we get to that point in the future? And how are we going to use the people that are more present oriented to create an awesome program, a plan, an initiative to make sure we achieve that vision of the future? So I think that it's really going to come down to those components of making sure that we know where we're going and we know what we're doing and making time to not just always put out fires, but to invest in long-term initiatives that may not see immediate returns, which is really hard for some people. I get it. That's where that confidence is going to come. If I have confidence in my leader and they bring this initiative to me and I'm like, okay, well, I have confidence in you. I trust you. I know you're a good person. I know you mean well, and I think you can get the job done. Let's do it. I don't know what's going to happen. You've kind of got me here. Let's keep going. That's where that confidence is going to really come into play. And how about with a team that you're working with and and it's a mixed bag. So it's not just everyone does not have great confidence, but there's certain people that are highly confident and others that don't have a lot of confidence at all. And you look at this pastiche of levels of confidence. Can you draw on the ones that are confident to help others to build their confidence? How do you approach a mixed bag like that? Because it's not one need, it's a mixture. That's interesting too, because you're going to have certain personalities that are super confident in certain aspects of what they do, but super horrible when it comes to building influence, because they may be confident in their abilities. They may be confident in how smart they are. They may be confident in some of that, but their ability to connect with somebody or invest in a relationship that they don't see as valuable or advantageous for their own personal initiative is going to undermine their influence. And then the people that may lack a lot of confidence may 
in turn be more genuine. And that'll undermine their influence too. I don't, I don't want to give them a pass. That'll undermine their influence eventually over time as well. As we find the people with a lot of confidence that do mean well, I think that can be contagious. There can be people that lack the confidence that sit there and go, ah, yes, I want that. And then creating some either a mentorship program or creating some initiative around that. How can we create conversations that build that culture inside of our office, knowing that there's going to be people that lack confidence. There's going to be people that don't. Certainly. And you'd mentioned personality indicators and what type of personality are you? And the theory goes that if we understand our differences, then we look at the impact that people are trying to do and not necessarily how they do it or misunderstand that, whether it's how gregarious you are, how quiet or it's all about we're a mixed bag of people trying to do good. And could you do something similarly with our confidence levels of building awareness? Is there any value in, in talking about our confidence as a team and how we're different? I'm going to go back into my answer of self-awareness. I think it's going to be first and foremost, the more self-aware we become, I believe the more confident we're going to become because I think some confidence comes because we see somebody else's skill set, somebody else's gift or somebody else's personality strengths as something we desire because we've lived with ourselves the whole time. And we're always aware of our opportunities and we'll sit there and go, oh, I wish I was like that person. Oh, I wish I was driven like that person. Oh, I wish I was so detailed. I wish I was more detailed like that person. I wish I could inspire like that person. So we always sit there and say it. And I think our lack of confidence may come in our inability to see our own gifts or see what we are champions of and understand our place at the table, our role on the team. And if we have a leader that is self-aware that can come to the team and say, hey, Phil, you are the champion of people, relational networks, of visionary insights, of connecting people through a resource. Hey, Scott, you're great at that kind of out of the box thinking. You're great at this, that we need that. Hey, Jane, you're super amazing at the details and the plan and systems and whatnot. And we need that. Understand the strengths of your team, understanding the strengths of what we have and having a leader that inspires us to do that on the team and not put us in roles that we're not fit for is going to build confidence in us and in the team as a whole. That's such a great answer and such a great perspective. Often in large change events, there's no time, you're rushing, you're always behind. And what I reflect on is if you did that one thing, Scott, about showing appreciation and acknowledgement and ownership for a certain thing, and, and they do it well, is, isn't that the, the best path to confidence? I think given time is, is kind of the currency of change and there's so little time to do it. And, and let's say you're you're brought into a team that's struggling a bit with confidence and it, it's affecting performance and how they externally communicate. Like your example in the past, if you could only do one thing to come in, it's the intervention because we're at a point, a breaking point now that would give you the 80% results in 20% in of the time. What would be that one thing that you'd come in to work with a team to build their confidence? It would be instilling in them and I'll, let me shift that, not me instilling it in them because I can't necessarily do that, but in bringing out of them their true purpose and their, their why. We've talked, you know, Simon Sinek talks about the why, he's famous for the why, and digging into that and aligning that with their vision of who they believe they are and who they want to be and how that shapes things. Using that process to bring out the strengths of each individual chain to make sure that the whole chain 
is super strong, right? We're only as strong as the weakest link. If we can strengthen each individual link as much as possible, that chain's going to be super strong. So that's why we need to create simple, scalable, sustainable programs that we can use with each individual and create that chain that's strong. Creating one link that's strong is not going to help the whole chain. So we need to create the programs that are big enough and scalable and simple enough for everybody. That's what I do now. And that's what's been so powerful and so impactful. It's great that I can affect one person, but my energy comes from when I can affect a bigger mass of people. And so that's what I love about what's going on right now. Wow. It's so inspirational. And it's so great to see you doing that work. And as we close off the show, is there one thought or concept or insight or piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would say it in this light, opportunity for yourself, opportunities will manifest themselves more through the act of giving than anything else. A lot of us are opportunistic. It's not in our nature to give without expecting something in return. We naturally, it's built into us to give and say, okay, what am I getting back? What am I going to get? I give you money. You give me a product or a service. So it's been ingrained in us. We give, we receive, but to give without the expectation of anything back to, I'm not saying don't be open to it. We need to be open to receiving, but to expect something in return is different. So I think as you give and give and give, and this is something I've really been working on hard this last year is how can I give to my community? How can I give to people? How can I continue to educate, empower and inspire people? And then I'm just going to let things take care of themselves and create opportunities for me to receive. Opportunity is going to come out of the giving we do. Great advice for us all. Thank you very much. And thanks so much for being on the Change on the Run podcast. How can people get in contact with you and get more information on your services? What's the best way to connect? Go to scottwaldron.com. That's S-K-O-T-W-A-L-D-R-O-N.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me there. I post a lot of good content there and I love connecting with people there. And then my YouTube channel, I've got a lot of good educational content there. I've got all my interviews that I've done with famous people like you on there as well. So I, I high five to you, Phil, for your interview. It was super good. Uh, I think people should go and listen to that uh, as well. So connect with me there and that's how you can find out more. Thanks, Scott. And it was so great being on your show, but I've, I've been watching the episodes now and they're so fascinating. So thank you so much for that. And thanks again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for listening. And if you're interested in learning more about the podcast topics, check out the Change on the Run book or audiobook at changeontherun.com or your favorite bookseller. And until the next time, I wish you all the best as you continue to lead change.